and welcome back to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to a chapter-by-chapter review of Stephen King's The Stand. Do you need an affordable source for Stephen King books, movies, collectibles, and more? Make sure to visit Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Listeners of this podcast can use the coupon code THECIRCLE for 20% off their order anytime, and there's always free shipping to the United States. That's Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Just a quick note before we jump into Chapter 11. I just wanted to apologize if last week's episode felt or sounded rushed. Um, I was rushed recording it. Uh, I procrastinated terribly last week, and uh, my family and I were getting ready to go on a short-slash-long weekend uh, trip up to Erie, Pennsylvania, And I had put off uh, recording it, you know, I just, I don't know, it's summer, I was feeling lazy. And uh, so I I threw it together a real quick Friday night, um, and then scheduled it to post on Saturday while I was gone. And I didn't really get to edit it as clearly as I usually do. So if last week's episode was a dip in quality, not that this podcast is super high quality to start with, um, I'm very sorry about that. And hopefully this week's episode uh, will be a little less, at least on my part, um, a little less stressful. (laughs) So uh, before we start, I would like to read a quick email that I received about nine days ago from Heidi. Um, I really enjoyed this email, so I just want to share it real quick with you guys. Um, She writes, I've started listening to your podcast today and am thrilled that you're doing this. The information was on the back of the receipt enclosed with my book purchase from Secondhand Bookery. I became completely engrossed with The Stand when I was 16 years old. Last day of high school and back in the day, kids threw papers, books, etc. on the floors of every corridor. I happened to find the paper bag lying amongst the trash officially out for summer break and of course within hours I'm grounded to my room yet again. Luckily for me I remembered that I had picked up a book and began reading. I found myself mesmerized with King's writing. I didn't put it down for days or at least it felt that way. Thank you so much for the podcast. My eyes are failing me but I'm still a collector of everything King. I'm on chapter three of your podcast though it's been many years since reading that book which by the way I still have and it is definitely And it definitely is very loved. I remember everything. Such a joy for me. Thank you. Thank you so much for the email, Heidi. I realized pulling this up that I don't think I responded to you, which I apologize. And I'm going to do that um, right after I record this podcast. Um, But I love hearing stories from fans of King, especially fans of The Stand, of how they found the novel, uh, why they started reading it their first impressions. Um, You know, I've already explained to you guys in the first chapter how I got to reading the book, uh, thanks mainly to the 1994 miniseries. Um, But if you guys want to share with me what drew you to reading The Stand for the first time, um, how you found the book, what you thought of it, uh, shoot me a line at thecirclecloses at gmail.com. I would love to hear um, your guys' story. In other King-related news, I did read that Netflix had released uh, their release date for the, <clears throat> excuse me, the King adaptation um, in the tall grass. And I think it was October 4th, but I feel like all the places I've read that 
um, have for some reason deleted their articles. So I don't know if maybe it was the wrong date or these people uh, got ahead of themselves in releasing it. Um, but I believe that's going to be out on Netflix on October 4th, and that is starring Patrick Wilson. Um, so we have that to look forward to in October. I think September and October um, are going to be really great months for King fans with the new book and it. And then with uh, this adaptation coming out. And I a while ago, I, I read the uh, short story slash novella 1922. And I haven't watched the adaptation on Netflix yet. I really want to because I'm a big fan of Thomas Jane. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, but this should also be pretty fun in the tall grass. It's starring Patrick Wilson, who I'm a big fan of um, from the Conjuring series. Uh, so I think that's really all like the major King news I have this week. Um, there's really been nothing on the stand, uh, adaptation, um, front this week. So, um, if something does break, uh, before next week's episode is recorded, you can still follow me on social media at the circle opens on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And so with that, we're going to dive right into chapter 11 of The Stand, book one of Captain Trips. And just a quick recap of last week's chapter 10. Um, <laughs> Larry Underwood woke up uh, with a hangover and a very, uh, well, I, I don't want to say she was a very angry one night stand because she seemed pretty nice until he started becoming a jerk. So uh, he got a spatula thrown at his head. And um, he was on his way to find his mom to try and explain why he didn't call or come home the night before, which is where we start in Chapter 11. Um, we remain in New York City where Larry Underwood uh, ha is visiting his mother Alice at her place of employment. And he's still bleeding from the head wound uh, from the oral hygienist spatula. And his mom, Alice, is part of the housekeeping crew in this office building. I think it was called the Chemical Bank Building. Um, and when he finds her, she is in a supply closet counting inventory. And Larry immediately apologizes for not coming home the night before or even calling her. And I got a lot of, like, teenage boy disappointed mother vibe from this. I mean, Larry's an adult man. He can probably do whatever he wants at the same time. Uh, his mom has taken him in, you know, he's taking advantage of her hospitality and, you know, and I, I still get that vibe when Larry's talking to her that he still feels like a child sometimes. So I feel like this is kind of piggybacking off of that. Um, he, he claims that he and a friend, Buddy, I think the name was Buddy, went out on the town and, you know, Larry admits that it was crummy of him not to, f or for him to forget to call Alice. And you know what? She agrees with him. And she says, she says, but you got your crummy side to you, Larry. Did you think I forgot that? And Alice seems pretty indifferent to Larry's apology, uh, though she notices his head is bleeding. And her response is to ask if a stripper hit him with a loaded G-string. Uh, this, is, this is the Larry that Alice is used to, the irresponsible, selfish Larry. And it gets under Larry's skin, and he attempts to explain exactly what happened to him. There were no strippers, no barroom fights. He got hit in the head with a spatula. Alice remarks that a woman who threw it, or the woman who threw it at him, must have been one hell of a shot. And she goes about working like it doesn't bother her. Um, but it, bother it bothers Larry. He's afraid she's upset with him, and she's angry. 
it's then that she sees this um, slump in her shoulders. And Larry wonders why he came home at all if, if it was just going to do these things to her. And never mind what she does to him. But Alice isn't about to tell him that she's not mad the way he wants her to. Instead, uh, Alice lays it out with a bit of harsh truth. And, you know, she says, she says to him, after he tells her not to be mad, she says, Is that all you can say? Don't be mad at me, please, Ma. Don't be mad. I hear you on the radio, and even though I don't like that song you sing, I'm proud it's you singing it. People ask me if that's really my son, and I say, yes, that's Larry. I tell them you could always sing, and that's no lie, is it? He shook his head miserably, not trusting himself to speak. I tell them how you picked up Donnie Roberts' guitar when you were in junior high, and how you were playing it better than him in a half an hour, even though he had lessons ever since the second grade. You got talent, Larry. Nobody ever had to tell me that, least of all you. I guess you knew it too, because it's the only thing I never heard you whine about. Then you went away, and am I beating you about the head and shoulders with that? No. Young young men and young women, they go away. That's the nature of the world. Sometimes it stinks, but it's natural. Then you come back. Does anybody have to tell me why that is? No. No. You come back because, hit record or no hit record, you got into some kind of jam out there on the West Coast. Larry tries to deny that he's in any trouble, uh, but Alice knows the signs. He can't bullshit her. Trouble is something Larry looks for. Alice tells him that sometimes she thinks he'd cross the street to step in dog shit. And then Alice says the dreaded words that every child hates to hear. She's not mad. Say it with me, everybody. She's just disappointed. She wanted Larry to change out there on the West Coast, but he didn't. He went away a little boy in a man's body and came back the same way, except with a new hairdo. Alice decides to tell Larry exactly what she thinks of him. I think you came home because you couldn't think where else to go. You didn't know who else would take you in. I never said a mean word about you to anyone else, Larry. Not even to my own sister, but since you've pushed me to it, I'll tell you exactly what I think of you. I think you're a taker. You've always been one. It's like God left some part of you out there when he built you inside of me. You're not bad. That's not what I mean. Some of the places we had to live after your father died, you would have gone bad if there was a bad in you, God knows. I think the worst thing I ever caught you doing was writing a nasty word in that downstairs hall of that place on Carstairs Avenue in Queens. You remember that? He remembered she had chalked that same word on his forehead and then made him walk around the block with her three times. He had never written that word or any word on a building, wall, or stoop. The worst part, Larry, is that you mean well. Sometimes I think it would be almost a mercy if you were broke worse. As it is, you seem to know what's wrong but not how to fix it. And I don't know how either. I tried every way I knew when you were small. Writing that word on your forehead, that was only one of them. And by then I was getting desperate, or I never would have done such a mean thing to you. You're a taker, that's all. You came home to me because you knew that I had to give. Not to everybody, but to you. Larry tells his mom that he'll move out, even though he really can't afford to. But she asks him to stay. She'll make him dinner and they can play gin rummy. Larry agrees, realizing he's probably taking from her again. But she asked him to stay, so that's not the same thing, right? Larry kisses her and tells her he loves her, and this seems to startle Alice, um, much like it did 
if you remember when he hugged her the first day he arrived in New York City. But Alice recovers quickly, as she did back then, and she tells him that she knows he loves her. Larry begins to tell her that he is in a little bit of trouble, but Alice is very firm that she doesn't want to hear about it, and maybe ignorance is bliss in this situation. Alice tells Larry to take $10 and go to a movie while she's working. Larry takes $15 and goes to a theater to watch one of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. And in the row behind Larry, a man begins to cough. This is the end of chapter 11. And um, so we get some more insight into Larry. And so far, you know, um, King has been doing a really good job at giving us the backstory and present story of some of his main characters. But I really think like he's delved deep into who Larry is, um, and especially into Larry and Alice's relationship. Alice is pretty brutal in this chapter, um, but it feels like everything she says has been simmering inside of her for a while, and it's definitely something Larry needs to hear. He is a taker. Alice has known this all of his life, uh, but she loves him anyway. I mean, he's her son. It feels like maybe she's just resigned to the fact um, because if going out to the West couldn't change Larry and make him a better person, I mean, what will? Will anything? And uh, if anything, going out West and having a hit record seems to have made Larry worse, um, worse off. He's, he's greedy, he's selfish, and he makes some pretty stupid decisions. Um, but he wants to be liked. He wants to be loved. Not only by his friends out west, but um, strangers and his, especially his mother, which to me, his mother is understandable uh, more than anything. But even when he offers to move out of his mother's apartment, um, he realizes how much money it would take to do that. He doesn't want to live in a flea bag hotel, even though he probably could, but he is quick to agree when Alice asks him to stay. Um, so while Larry, he needed to hear the truth from his mom and he needed to hear how she felt, but I don't know that it has done much to change him just yet. Um, he's still Larry, even a small thing, you know, even the small thing, like she tells him to take $10 from her purse and go watch a movie until she's finished working. Larry takes $15. Um, so that's just this $5, like leave it, Larry, uh, but, you know, they definitely have a complicated relationship. And again, I love the contrast between Larry and Alice and Fran and her father, Peter. I love how different the they all interact with each other um, compared to, you know, Alice and Larry compared to Fran and Peter. Um, and, you know, speaking of Fran and Peter, uh, next week is Chapter 12. And Chapter 12 will find us back in Agunquit, Maine with Fran Goldsmith, who is about to tell her mother that she is pregnant. Um, and I have a feeling uh, that that is not going to go as well as it did when she told Peter uh, that she was having his grandchild. And I'm really looking forward to this next chapter. Um, and I hope that you guys are too. And that's it for this episode. It's another short episode. I hope that's okay with you guys. I know uh, sometimes I tend to ramble about things, but um, uh, those who know me fairly well and those who have listened to earlier episodes of this podcast know how much I love Larry Underwood. He is one of my favorite all-time King characters. I think his arc in this novel is one of my favorites. And there are a lot of characters in this book and a lot of story and character arcs. So 
Um, thank you guys for hanging with me this week for chapter 11. And I would love to hear what you guys think about Larry um, or Fran or Stu or anybody that we've met so far in this book. Uh, again, you can shoot me a line at the circle closes at gmail.com or find me on social media at the circle opens. And um, if you like this podcast, as always, you can leave me a rating and or a review at iTunes. That is always, hel- always helpful for me. Um, and I guess that's it. So I hope everybody's enjoying their summer. We're coming to a close at least uh, in July. And it's been, you know, record heat wave, it seems like, all across the country. Um, so I hope everybody is staying cool and healthy. And uh, the next couple months are going to be kind of crazy, but I plan on sticking this out. I hope that you guys are too. And M-O-O-N, that spells, see you next week.